my lips and the meditations of all of our hearts be now and always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Are you ready? Ready for what, you might ask? How we get ready depends on what we're getting ready for. At the last verse of the psalm today, it says, Teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. A couple of weeks ago, Father Price gave a story from his seminary days. So I have a story from my seminary days. I was in Old Testament class. I suppose I was 25 or something. And uh, we came to this verse, and our professor said, okay, let's sit down, take out a pen and paper, figure out how many days you have. Because two verses before, verse 12, you'll notice in the psalm we omitted 9, 10, and 11. In 9, 10, and 11, it says, it's been appointed that you would have 70 years, and if you're strong, you would have 80. So let's assume you had 80, you're 25, 80 minus 25 times 365. I naively assumed that I would have millions and millions, almost an unlimited number of days left. But of course I didn't. At that time, it was a mere 20,000 days. And I was horrified. That did not seem like very many. But of course, it's a whole lot more than I have left now. Uh, But why would we bother to number our days? Is there going to be an exam at the end of it? Well, apparently there is. If you follow the readings today, it talks a lot about the day of the Lord. They're rather grim readings, aren't they? We're approaching the end of the Pentecost season, and then we have, of course, Advent. So getting ready for our new church year. Two two more Sundays in Advent and Pentecost, and then we we begin Advent on November 29. The proclamation of Advent is to get ready because he's coming again. The the focus of Advent has been not on his first coming, but his second coming. And the traditional themes, I've been told, are sin, uh, the four themes of the four weeks, sin, judgment, heaven, and hell. Not a very happy uh, Christmas (laughs) theme. It turns out that our celebration of his first coming at Christmas so overshadows our preparation for his second coming that any thought of the day of the Lord seems to get lost in the process. We forget about it, even though we affirm it every Sunday when we say the Nicene Creed. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. But we tend to dismiss that part, and some of us even begin to doubt that he will come as he promised Today's readings feel very much like Advent readings. In Zephaniah, we have the dire and grim announcement of the day of the Lord. In Thessalonians, Paul also speaks to us of the coming day of the Lord. And in the Gospel reading, Jesus speaks of our need to be prepared. So let's, if you'd like to turn in your bulletin to the Gospel reading, we'll look at that a little bit today. It's in Matthew 20 chapter 25, and in that chapter, there are three parables about getting ready. Three well-known parables, and I hadn't really noticed how they fit together. First of all, last week, we had the parable of the ten bridesmaids. Five were wise, and five were foolish. The foolish ones hadn't brought enough oil. They hadn't prepared themselves for what was coming. 
then today the parable of the talents, which we've just read and I think is pretty well known. And then the following hard on the heels of today's parable is the parable of the sh- separating the sheep and the goats. Of course, the sheep were those who tended for people, who cared for people, not knowing that they were caring for the Lord Jesus. And the goats were the ones who didn't care, who didn't visit, who didn't feed, and in the process missed the opportunity to feed the Lord Jesus. So we have a bridegroom arriving for a wedding, a master coming to settle accounts, and a son of man coming to sit on his throne. So the three things I'd like to consider today are the need to be prepared, the need to act, and the need to realize our time for acting is limited. So first of all, to prepare. How do we as Christians prepare ourselves for the task before us? To be ready, to shine as lights in the darkness, or be the salt of the world. I'm going to suggest four things. There's probably many more. First of all is to know our scriptures. Uh, Did you notice the prayer today? Let me read it again. Uh, We often call this Bible Sunday because of the collect. Blessed Lord, who has caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, etc. Someone said to me, we do not read the Bible so much as the Bible reads us. When we open the pages of the Bibles, we need to be prepared for what it says. It doesn't always say what we want it to or hope it will. And when it, it's an interesting phrase, isn't it, that we need to inwardly digest it. So when we're going on a long hike or a journey, we have a good meal before we begin. When we're playing football, we maybe buff up on carbs or doing a long-distance race. And then if we're going on a long journey, we make sure we have snacks for the kids, if not for us, so that they are fed. And the same with us. On our journey, we need to know the scriptures, to know what's there, individual promises and warnings and, um, and rewards. We need to know our scriptures. Secondly, we need to open ourselves to the Holy Spirit. God comes to us today in the person of the Holy Spirit to give us fruit in our lives, to give us armor and gifts and skills and encouragement. Last week's um, uh, parable about the maidens, uh, bridesmaids, who they didn't have the oil. Now, oil is often a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Thirdly, we have the Eucharist, gathering, availing ourselves, responding to Jesus' invitation to come and to receive him in that spiritual sense. And then also the fellowship, when you guys show up today, to be encouraged, to be helped. And so all those things work together so that when we find ourselves facing challenges or opportunities, we have the resources. We need to be prepared. But secondly, we need to act Having prepared ourselves, we need to be ready to act. We wouldn't spend hours practicing the violin unless we had a hope of playing a song or being a part of an orchestra. We wouldn't practice football unless we had, were getting ready for a game. Sometimes we feel that as Christians we do all this preparation in church amongst ourselves, but are hesitant to step out into the world to open our mouth or open our pocketbook. 
to put into practice the things we believe. Uh, we had First Communion children, four of them today, precious. And uh, they were working on a new word, which was not thanksgiving, but thanks living. I love that, of showing our thankfulness by the way we live our lives. The parable of the talents contrasts those who are ready and willing to act and those who want to play it safe and miss out. You know, when the person got the five talents, what did it say? It said he went out and traded them. Now, trading things is always a risk. You have to engage. You have to be prepared to think it through. You've got to be prepared to maybe it was a bad trade and you have to go again. And I love that sense of the, the first two slaves going out and trading and doing their best and taking risks. There are many things that might dissuade us or prevent us from living out our faith or getting involved. We might be hesitant to step into a situation. We might be hesitant to uh, have our voice as a part of the conversation or discussion in case we were wrong, etc., etc. All kinds of things that might keep us from doing that. Amelia Earhart, who was the first female aviator to fly across the Atlantic, set many other records and wrote best-selling books of her experience, said, the most difficult thing is the decision to act. The rest is merely tenacity. Doing that first act is hard. While the third servant in the parable went out, dug a hole, buried what had been given to him, the first two got involved. They took a risk. How was it that they increased the value of what was entrusted to them? They traded, invested, leveraged, exchanged, bartered. I'd love to see what they actually did. Because the master was away. Jesus, for us, is away. One of the commentators said the period of waiting was not intended to be an empty, meaningless delay, but a period of opportunity to put to good use the talents entrusted to his slaves. The master's property, holdings, capital, was divided amongst his servants, those responsible for the well-being of his estate. We're responsible for the well-being not only of our church, but of our world. So each was according to his respective ability. I like to think it's according to the respective willingness to act and take advantage of opportunities that come our way. God never demands from someone abilities he has not got. But he does demand that we should use to the full the abilities which he has given to us. Whatever talent we have, we are called to use it in God's service. So what talent has he given you? What ability? What opportunity? What willingness? Is it a natural talent? A physical, uh, physical assets or financial assets? Social abilities? Confidence? As they say in real estate, uh, location, location, location. Where has God planted you? Your neighborhood, your place of work. What specific privileges and opportunities for the kingdom of God has God entrusted to you? The third servant substituted security for service. He failed to tr truly understand his master. His failure was not so much laziness as a sort of religious fatalism. Well, anything I do won't make a matter. Won't matter at all. So he played it safe and accomplished nothing. 
Recently, when a, a display of Norman Rockwell's paintings came to the Museum of Fine Arts, I went down there, and amongst all his wonderful paintings, I love Norman Rockwell, he had gathered the golden rule as it appears in many, many different religions. Almost every religion has a form of the golden rule. The difference is they're all in the negative, whereas Christ put it in the positive. They're all whatever you don't want people to do, don't do to them. But Jesus turned that on its head and said, think about what you would like people to do to you. Now go and do it. So we can't obey Jesus' golden rule by locking ourselves in our closet. It's sort of like the Levite and the priest who passed by the man who was beaten up. And it was the despised Samaritan who said, I can do something. I will help. Our Christian responsibility and duty then is not drudgery, but a preparation for joy, intimacy, and relationship. What does the master say to the faithful slaves? Enter into the joy of your master. Isn't that a lovely phrase? Enter into the joy of your master. So faithful fulfillment of our responsibilities, taking advantage of opportunities, results in a deepening relationship with our maker, our master. It might be small, a word of welcome, a word of kindness, a gesture of respect, the deflecting of an insult, feeding the homeless, giving someone a ride, being there for someone who needs you, even when it might inconvenience you. So much has to do with our frame of mind. Are we looking for opportunities to live out the gospel for thanks living? And next week, or the next parable, is about the time is now. It reminds us that there will come a time when opportunities to love and care for others will be over. Now is the time to gather up our courage in our two hands and do something. I'll end with that great quote from Theodore Roosevelt, which was made popular by Brene Brown's book, Daring Greatly. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. And so let's know what God has entrusted to us. What are our gifts, opportunities, and privileges? And then look for opportunities to put them into use in the kingdom of the gospel. Pray that God will help you notice them and respond with wisdom and courage. And with Nike, just do it so that we might enter the joy of our master. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.